Hi, everybody. This is Pete Worrell from Bigelow, and I'd like to welcome you to this episode of the Positive Enterprise Value Podcast. Ever notice that some private enterprises successfully transition through evolutions and revolutions in leadership, management, even ownership? Some end up with terrific new majority owners, the entrepreneur-owner managers moving gracefully into the next interesting and rewarding chapter of their lives, surrounded by friends, their positive legacy assured, and their independence powered by the fortune they've just realized, while others, well, others' outcomes can look more like a train wreck. Is it merely luck, or is it more than luck? At Bigelow, we think it's more than luck. We can learn from the experiences of our peers. So in this series of podcasts, I interview seasoned, successful entrepreneur owner managers who are high performers, maybe even peak performers in their niche domains. We look for patterns of connectedness across those domains and we publish these candid, one-on-one, unedited interviews with some of the most high-performing entrepreneurs from both the for-profit and not-for-profit sectors to learn from their experiences. So. As a private business owner, let me ask you, what's your best way of learning? Do you have to make every mistake or failure on your own as if you were the first one to ever encounter that challenge? Or can you learn from the experiences of others? Because if you can, that is a superpower which exponentially multiplies your learning, your achievement, and your positive legacy. Here, we hear the real life stories of other entrepreneurs which helps us to look in the mirror see a little of ourselves in there. Let's listen and learn. This week's Quarantine Learnings guest is Max Bricklin. Max is the co-founder, along with Peter Diamandis and Tamor Butrascali, of Bold Capital Partners, a venture capital firm based in Los Angeles that focuses on firms that apply exponential technology to solve devilish problems in a handful of specific vertical areas. Uh, Bold Capital Partners currently manages Bold Capital One and Bold Capital Two, and Max is intimately involved with over 50 of their portfolio businesses in a wide range of interesting exponential technologies. That's why I found this week's interview to be so interesting because while uh, our other owner-manager interviewees have one business typically that they oversee. Max has insight to over 50, and he draws some really interesting conclusions from what they've learned and he's learned during this quarantine time. Here's Max. Now, here we are on whatever, what's the date today? July 21st. So how are you feeling? (laughs) So I think that I've been uniquely prepared to, I think, bold capital in general, but particularly, you know, this is my view, um, is was uniquely prepared for understanding the impact of COVID quickly, because part of our job is to take on trends and digest them and analyze them and figure out how to invest against, against them. And this is an exp- this is exponential. I mean, it's the definition of exponential. So when you see you know, doublings in China and to think that it won't come here. I mean, I think it was Feb- mid-February. I, we, we were getting prepped. I got, you know, I stocked up on everything I needed. I was expecting in the millions uh, by the summer. Everything that's happened. 
simple. It's, you know, it's, there's a certain transmission rate. It's, it's not hard to chart what was going to happen. So it's not hard to chart what's going to continue to happen. Um, or at least create best base and worst case models around it. Um, and then it's a matter of, we invested in incredible people, um, who all the people you've talked to have probably told you about a bunch of war stories on either pivoting the company or getting, you know, emergency funding or whatever it is. Um, luckily we feel good because our job is to check in and make sure our entrepreneurs were handling this properly. And by all accounts, everybody not only was handling it to a point, uh, not, not trying to mitigate disaster, but taking advantage of opportunity, which is awesome to see. It's exciting to, to see, you know, success is just preparation and opportunity. And when you invest in amazing CEOs, they are waiting for stuff like this. So, so when you think about, uh, the businesses that you've been talking to over the past six months now, um, and you think about some of the ways that they've made changes, uh, and I'm not going to say when this comes to an end because I think this is going to be with us for a while, but do you think that as the virus wanes or a vaccine is found, do you think that there are some of those changes that are going to stick? Do you think that some of those changes are permanent? Um, those are two, there's two answers I, I want to give you. I think there's call it the macro trends and the micro trends that have happened. I think there are macro trends like easy ones working from home. Um, and you know, uh, being more in healthcare or, uh, you know, less away from direct to consumer, um, you know, there, there's just random trends that are, are, are sorry, more, um, more, uh, less away from retail, more to direct consumer things that had already been happening that I believe this has almost accelerated a time frame for things to get adopted or not. So for example, you would expect VR to be extremely adopted, uh, today versus six months ago. And I think in some areas it is, you know, we have dreamscape that's moving toward education in VR, which is something that everybody at dreamscape and bolds wanted them to move into, but um, you know, luckily there's some really big uh, partners that have come and said, now's the time we need to do this. Our business relies on this. So that's just an example of there's macro trends that have been expedited uh, distance learning, um, you know, direct to consumer only uh, new distribution logistics, things that we have been investing in to support new infrastructure for those changes that would take generally more years, but because this incident happened, it's, I think, accelerated it, which is now the new normal. So I don't think that part's going to go back to normal, but the big trends that we're seeing is actually another funny thing that we've, at least I've been talking about since I heard the term maybe six years ago, I've always been interested in investing in cockroaches instead of unicorns because cockroaches can, uh, you know, essentially survive anything there. It's kind of a negative connotation if you think about it, but that's not what I'm going for. It's really you know, cockroaches can survive the end of the world. They're going to be the, the last thing standing here. If you know anything bad happens and that's what companies have had to do. The first wave of changes was how do we cut our burn to survive? What, however long this is going to be 
right? That's the immediate thing that had to happen is let's examine our cash and figure out how to survive without any changes. Then, you know, with that comes having to lay people off. There has to be, uh, you know, reduction in salaries. There has to be obvious things. But then there was a series of what I consider to be good for the business, but sometimes hard to do, uh, which is cut opportunities, right? Is really look and say, where have we been spending our time and money? And let's get really serious about what's been working. Um, if we have to pick, I, I, you know, I don't love the term, but you know, gun to your head, you have to pick, uh, which you ask people that it's always usually a hypothetical, but when the situation arises, uh, where you have to pick or the company is going to go under, it's been a good way to get rid of things in that companies and CEOs may be doing that probably we knew weren't going to work or weren't that profitable or whatever the case was. And this was a clean way to exit those um, potentially unsuccessful uh, activities. So there was a half a dozen businesses that you've been talking to that have been doing that. No, uh, out of our 55 companies, I would say maybe 20 of them did that. Wow. Um, that's, that's huge, huge value. Oh yeah. It's, it's really, it's look, let's see what we're doing really well. So, or necessity, we have to pivot into something for take the dreamscape example. They couldn't do consumer VR in malls anymore. That's a zero dollar business, but they had already gone into VR training for military and, and certain government applications and were poking around education and basically had to make a hard decision to get rid of the focus of what they just spent multiple years focusing on and go all into these new categories. So there's a combination of we only have so much money because we didn't just raise a big round. Where are we going to focus our money? Or in the case of Dreamscape, we also got extremely lucky. And I was just talking to uh, somebody last night. I think I'd rather be lucky than right almost every time because uh, I'm okay to admit, you know, when I'm right or wrong, but I'm much more happy to be lucky and something good happen. And luckily, a lot of our portfolio companies, some big majority, as an investor, you probably saw the numbers, I'm forgetting it now, but 60%, 65% had just raised large rounds within like three months. So we we got lucky on a lot of fronts and we're heavily invested in healthcare, which is just taking off. So um, the good news is things are, uh, are seem to be, knock on wood, on a good uh, path. But really, it's a pretty amazing, you know, six-month learning lesson that uh, that's been incredible to watch, and, and luckily, no, no big issues from it. So, a cheap learning lesson, at least for the business. Yeah, I think um, from my own point of view, that uh, it also allowed us to sometimes see people in a different light, sometimes learn something new, more about their character or about their their strong traits. I know that I feel very grateful that, like. As you described, this quarantine has uh, accelerated the learning of uh, relationships that I've had with friends and potential clients, even our own team, where you know strengths emerge uh, that you didn't know necessarily were there or that might have emerged much later. So from that point of view, I think the speeding up of the learning process is uh, super valuable. And obviously for uh, a business like ours, um, we've used WebEx as our digital platform since I, I think 2006, and um, honestly, Max, if you could have seen even as recently as uh, almost six months ago, 
you know, we talk to friends and clients outside of our geographic area and say to them, we'll give you the video equipment. We'll give you our WebEx subscription. And we just had resistance. There was friction there for people to go di- completely digital. And of course, that genie is completely out of the bottle. It's never going back. It's it's pretty remarkable. Um, it's, it's like the whole world has been thrown into the deep end and has to learn how to swim. Uh, and some are doing it and some were resisting it, but everyone I think is going to be swimming together, uh, pretty soon, but a lot of friction to get there as you see by the unrest in, in the world. So in, in this quarantine time, um, you're on the West coast in the Los Angeles area. Um, uh, what's the status now for you in terms of the quarantine? What is the exact laws that have just come into play? Well, not necessarily exact laws, but you're you're obviously uh, talking well, your home right now. What am I operating under? Yeah, yeah, I've been operating under. Uh, I'm in quarantine from the beginning. Um, I have, uh, um, you know, my parents and my in-laws. All we all quarantine together. Um, so that, you know, 15 month old Violet has more people to be with. And, uh, some of them are more at risk and have some health underlying health issues. And, uh, we're pretty much taking a 0% chance, not doing anything. Um, luckily was fortunate enough to move into a, a new house with a little more room for in a pool for Violet and, and us to not go crazy, <laughs> uh, trying to keep her entertained. So I think at least for me, I feel really lucky that I'm in a place that, I can uh, be in this quarantine uh, world with getting stuff done. Um, And I'm expecting at least another 12, 18 months of this. Um, It's terrible, but that's how I'm operating. And um, yeah, I, I hope, I hope I'm wrong, but that's where I'm going. Right. So are you uh, visiting any portfolio businesses or are you seeing any new business uh, in person? Uh, no, I haven't seen my partners um, since end of February. Um, I haven't seen uh, I've seen one of them socially in the in the backyard, um, but I've had maybe half a dozen social distancing happy hours. Um, and yeah, no, it's we're full we're full digital. We were pretty much digital anyway. Sure, um, but we are. We're 100%. And I think it's been more effective for our relationships. It's actually, as you said, getting to see people in new lights. I mean, the amount of just being able, yeah, I, I've always want to have an open door policy with uh, our portfolio companies. Um, call me, text me whenever you need me. And I think there was still an element of being more formal. Uh, but hey, you know, a, a text at 830 in the morning, because, you know, I've been up for two hours because we've talked the last few days on Zoom. Uh, instead of having to wait and go to San Francisco and spend a half day session and be buttoned up, it's really a lot more on, on the flow. Um, so I actually think there's a lot of reasons why this is not only more effective, um, but more almost fun and getting it's a different side of business, um, which is why I'm in it. At least it's for the people, people that I invest with people that we invest in, um, uh, you know, obviously partners. That's what I mean by the first one. So what are you seeing uh, in terms of new uh, potential investment activity? Uh, we're still seeing, I mean, there was, a, of course, like a two week dip and then immediately came back in full force with a number of 
companies trying to solve the problem, right? That just got spun up. Uh, a number of companies that had, quote, already been trying to solve the problem, but now they're focused on it. Um, you know, we've got this great thing that we had been working on, and now it's perfectly applicable to this. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, just the normal gamut of companies. So I think we all have a different view of where the right investment opportunities are. Um, but we've made a few investments um, in the last few months. Uh, we're looking at, I would say, not not full strength deal flow. I don't think anybody is seeing that right now. But I would say, for especially for summer, um, pretty pretty average, pretty normal. Um, and when you say you're looking at a couple of new investments, are you looking at those new investments? And could you see yourself completing an investment without actually in person visiting the business? We we have done that. Uh, we've made. Um, We've made at least two of them. I think, I think there was at least an in-person. Uh, there wasn't a full partner pitch, which there normally is uh, in person. It was over video for both of them. But I believe our the lead partners went and saw them in person. Um, both of them, uh, one was in the Bay, one was in LA. And so those were easy to, you know, no one's getting on a plane. That's, a, that's for sure. If we're in LA... And we're an existing portfolio company. Easier to just do Zoom. Um, if it's a new company, we've gone and seen them in person. And I, I just, it's really hard to not see somebody before you make the investment. Because it's, and again, it's not about the money. It's about the relationship. Um, and there's just a lot of cues that are hard to pick up over video, at least today. But I, that may change. Um, yeah, oh, clearly, clearly, we, we you know, uh, we have three uh, client engagements, which are between letter of intent and closing. And we had the awkward position at one point, this was about two months or two ago, where out of two of them, the investors who we wanted to choose actually hadn't met the management teams in person and had not visited the companies physically. And uh, all three of these companies have some technology manufacturing component to them. And so that was a little uh, unusual. But actually, I, I said to one of the investors one morning, Look, um, we've got a closing date on your letter of intent, and you know, are you prepared to close on July 31, like you say you are? He said, "Yeah." I said, "Okay, but are you going to be prepared to close without having seen the business?" And he, <laughs> he very funnily uh, and honestly said, "Well, I've never done it before, <laughs> but uh, we've got him in front of you the gotta do what you got to do now, I guess, you know." Yeah. yeah. And and I suspect there are certain scenarios. Um, actually, in both case, both cases, we actually knew the entrepreneurs or at least knew of them or the introductions were really, uh, really warm and, and we still want to see them. Um, so I think it'll just be, if anything, I think it will um, create even more focus on, on local investments, even though we pretty much already invest on the West coast anyway, I think it will um, create even more bias toward that. Uh, not just from us. Um, I think just in general. Yeah. Um, so, so, so you've been a guy who, for a number of years now, has been accustomed to winging around the West Coast, but also around the country, uh, working long hours. I know you have a good uh, integration of your personal life and your professional life, but nonetheless, this past six months has been different. So uh, it must be a little different also for your wife and your daughter for you to be there. On, in, and how is that? worked out and how has that stressed uh, some of your relationships? 
Hmm. I would say that there, you know, as soon as this started happening, I, like I said, thought this was going to be a long haul. And at the point, um, you know, it's all a very personal thing, right? So we were living uh, in a fairly small house um, with not a huge backyard. And the office that was supposed to be an office was Violet's room. And, you know, we hadn't just gotten around to um, transitioning the other guest room into an office. And so there was a lot of like working on the kitchen table and having Violet you know, she just learned to crawl, just learned to walk right when quarantine happened. So it was like nonstop from 530 in the morning. Um, and despite trying to get work done, there's only so much you can do, right? It's It was just really hard. And I think the co-parenting where you're both trying to parent because you're both in the room, that I, that was, that took that took some figuring out, but it happened quickly because it was not a sustainable thing. So we had to figure out how to, you know, yeah, that, that can create friction. Oh, yeah, definitely created plenty of friction. Um, <laughs> but it was, not, it was not at each other. It was at the situation. Um, yeah. Luckily, we were able to channel any sort of frustration or, you know, uh, just call it um, uh, heightened feelings toward, you know, life uh, into uh, moving, which was great, which was selling our house, buying a new house. Um, so we were able to kind of get through, I think, the, the darkest days, as they say, the, uh, what is it, the Lion King, or no, the um, the Tiger King and, and stimulus check days. I mean, those feel like it was uh, years ago, but that was kind of one of the darkest points of it, where it was a couple weeks in, we had, it was just totally different world. Um, but once, once we were able to figure out that this is the new normal, and let's look at the things that are dangerous and figure out how to make them not dangerous, and let's figure out how to make things more efficient, um, I think this is way better. Um, I'm getting, uh, I feel like I, I have a much better ability to have a more well-rounded, uh, work life balance. Um, I spent a lot of time driving to and from work and meetings and traveling, as you say, which luckily I don't have to do anymore, um, for the foreseeable future. And that's given me more time to, you know, surf and go to the beach with, the family and swimming and all the things that I love to do that felt more like a chore when I didn't have the time. Um, and now it's just great. I don't know. It's everything. It was a tough transition, but it's uh, great to be here. And I feel my heart goes out to anybody with uh, kids in quarantine right now that are even older, trying to do distance teaching and stuff. I, I couldn't imagine that right now. Um, yeah. It's yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of tough, both working parents luckily rose is not working so i just i'm really fortunate for a lot of the how things have played out but it, it could be much harder definitely so uh how have you changed your self-care routine i mean you're a guy who you just mentioned you know surfing being at the beach working out doing whatever you're doing how how have you changed that if you have well, I'm a guy who needs routine and structure and scheduling. And it, once you have, once you have uh, the ability to have control of your scheduling again, um, and when I say again, I mean mostly. You know, I, I'm not going. Any, I, I don't. I don't have to predict if I'm going to be traveling or if I'm going to be going to the office or going to meet an entrepreneur in Venice or whatever it is. Um, I'm able to, 
I have, I've had no problem with, um, integrating all of that. If anything, it's been much easier. The harder part was, uh, pre pre COVID was how, how I juggled everything. That was much harder. Now it's, you know, like I said, it's just creating a schedule. I'm naturally a schedule based on our skills. My skill is I'm good at getting up early. Uh, and I like to go to bed early (laughs) because I like, you know, to do a lot of stuff during the day. And so I naturally am able to wake up early with the baby and take her for the first part of the day and breakfast and all that good stuff and then pass her off to mom and do work. And then, you know, after that, uh, take her back and do dinner. And during those times, I mean, in the morning, go to the beach in the afternoon, go to the beach with her, uh, doing my swimming, you know, during my lunch break, my home lunch break, you know, I have to take an hour and go do some food, you know, play some pool, whatever it is. Are you doing some workout swimming? Yeah, of course. Um, oh, what are you up to? Um, you so I actually got a water polo goal in my, uh, which is, you know, my, my true love. So I'm doing um, not, I'm doing like surfing and water polo related drills. Uh, and I got this cool surfboard that you put in the pool that has like a drag system and it helps you paddle. Um, so it's not like just swim back and forth because. Right. I don't like that anymore. I've done it way too many times in my you know, life. Your, your old friend Laird Hamilton taught me some things about being in my pool with heavy weights. And so he taught me how to do what he calls uh, dolphin jacks, which is uh, my pool is 10 feet deep at one point. And so every morning I, I do a metabolic workout. Then I also usually go in the sauna and I, I meditate. I do some other stuff. I do some breath work. Uh, but uh, A lot of breath work, too. Go, I love breath work. I mean, I just love breath work. Yeah. But going into the, so um, Brian McKenzie taught a lot about breath work. And um, one of the things is going into the heavy end of the, deep end of the pool with heavy weights, which for me would be either 20 pound dumbbells in each hand or 35 pound dumbbells in each hand. And then doing these jumping jack style exercises from the 10 foot up tall and taking a breath when your head breaks at the top. Oh, this sounds really silly and it sounds like it's really easy. And I can assure you it's not. No, I know for a fact that is not an easy thing to do. Yeah, it's a great, just a fun. So to your point, like this isn't swimming laps. This is swimming around the bottom of the pool with heavy weights, which also involves a breath hold, which I find to be really fun and really uh, challenging. I'm going to have to bug you about that. Um, I just, uh, I'm really into that. I'm trying to figure out those sorts of workouts. And I'm just for the first time, I just got a paddleboard as well. I finally gave in to, to Laird. I was just talking to one of my friends uh, at the beach this weekend. Um, when I was about nine, ten, I told you this story, I think, already. When Laird basically invented stand-up paddling, he would, you know, paddle up to our my local home break in Malibu, and he would we'd all wonder what this was. And that must have been 15, 16, 17 years ago. And I, I have never tried I never, tr- I've never tried Santa paddling. I saw him invent it, but I never tried it. And I finally got on, uh, for the first time this weekend. And, uh, that guy's amazing. I'm going to, I remember you talking a lot about your yeah. work with him. So I'm going to bother you after this for more information. Well, well, uh, just my, my one piece of standup was, uh, when I was using a standup board for the first time with him and I took to it very quickly and I enjoy the water. I spent all my time either in the water or on the water and I didn't find it difficult to do until I stopped. <laughs> and like, and I didn't have a sense of it at all. I didn't have a sense of it at all, Max. And like, I actually, you know, kind of did the, the boo, 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 and then fell off. And he's, he looked at me like, what are you doing? And I said, I don't know. I thought I had this, but then I stopped. He's like, well, do you stop on your bicycle? 
Exactly. Oh, right. <laughs> he's, he's awesome. Actually, I mean, I might as well say this because somebody might be uh, interested in working with me on it from your audience. Uh, but I think there is a big opportunity to uh, create wave pools are the future of surfing and a lot of entertainment, if, if you ask me, but specifically surfing. Uh, and they've been getting cheaper and cheaper to build. And I think there's some sort of and what's amazing about it is that I think it creates surfing to be much more accessible to people in the world. And I think surfing is the best mental, physical, emotional workout thing that you can do. Um, and especially in crazy times like this, I mean, going out, you know, early 7am catching a few waves, I don't think there's anything better. Um, but I don't think in the middle of winter in New Hampshire, you want to go surfing. Yeah. Uh, so I think there's some interesting sort of layered branded wave pool exercise phenomena happening, uh, which I've been tracking. Uh, so anybody on the call wants to, to do this with me, let me know. Hey, there's a lot of malls out there which could be, surf, that, that which could be wave pools, right? There's a lot of malls out there which need to be repositioned as something. I am going to trademark you as I uh, look into that, and I will tell everybody that Pete's idea, because that's a genius idea. That's exactly what we're so, Since the quarantine started, so for us at Bigelow, the quarantine started on uh, March 16th. Uh, since the quarantine started for you, um, have your ambitions for yourself and for bold gotten bigger or smaller? My ambitions for bold has only gotten bigger. And because, because I believe just like making the analogy where COVID is essentially increased, you know, adoption by 10 years for certain trends I think that this has created new opportunities for Bold to expand into different areas that we had wanted to expand in already. For example, doing a later stage fund instead of only early stage investing, right? That's an easy transition uh, or a very straightforward transition. But I think there's also something around, you know, um, industry specific funds, healthcare specific fund, uh, a sustainability fund. I mean, look at, I, one of my favorite parts of COVID, I mean, there's a lot of bad, but there's been a lot of good. I think one of them was showing that the world does get hurt by humans when we don't use it for a few weeks, even a few days, things start to to grow back. And, um, you know, I don't know, I'm not trying to be political in any way. Um, but I think there's, I think there's more attention on sustainability than ever. Um, I think there's a social fund. I mean, look at the world right now. I think there's just a lot more opportunity um, for us to move into areas that we wanted to move in to over time. But now may be the best time for us to start doing that. And as we're starting to see um, more and more success. Um, and, and what about for Max as an individual? Have your ambitions for yourself? And ambition could be your ambition could be to be ambitious to learn and grow and give. It doesn't have to be ambitious just for like the traditional view of success. However you define, is your ambition for yourself gotten larger or smaller? It's, I would say that it's just changed. It's definitely gotten larger just because that's how I am. I think any, even something 10 times worse than COVID, I would feel things are optimistic. I just, that's naturally the person that I am, but I think they've just changed. I've, um, and it's all about, 
point in life, right? I mean, it's not just COVID, but COVID was a reaction to me, you know, really trying to set up what, what I believe my life will look like for a longer period of time. And through that, I'm able to have longer term thinking, which is, I think, extremely, I, I always felt I had long term thinking, but now I feel I have longer term thinking. And that really changes decision making. And that really changes, um, you know, even it changes a lot of things. I don't know. I don't I think I have to explain it. Uh, if people have gone through that experience, then you know. Um, but I think it's, uh, I think it's really helped me mature. I think it's really helped me change decision making. I think it's uh, helped me put a new lens on things. Um, and I think it's also helped, you know, there's a little voice in the back of your head when things come up. Uh, opportunities arise, people you're introduced to, situations that you may be getting yourself into, good or bad. Uh, and I think there's a little voice that you start to, to develop. And I think having longer term thinking allows you to really say, you know, ironically, that longer term thinking realizes, makes you realize that life is too short to waste your time on things that you know, that you spend enough time realizing are the right things or the wrong things for what you're trying to accomplish. So, yeah, I, I completely take your point. I, I, uh, I sometimes say to business owners who are thinking short term, I sometimes ask them, Will summer come to an end? Is there going to be fall? Will winter be upon us? Uh, do Does Downton Abbey come to an end? Does your sphere of influence in this enterprise come to an end? Because, it, And do our lives come to an end? Because if the answer is yes, that we're terminal, then wow, isn't it wonderful? You can think really, really long term. And you can think, you can project way out in front of yourself and say, well, gee, you know, today uh, longevity would allow a 60-year-old to imagine realistically that they would be 90. That means there's as many years ahead of them as there are going back to when they were 30. So that whole thinking process, I think, is really super healthy if you can come out of that, uh, come out of this sort of uh, event with that. Did Did you leave any old habits behind during this? quarantine? Yes. Uh, and I think it's an extension of what I was saying, but one of my mentors and someone that I really, really respect once told me to be, and I'm going to just paraphrase this a little bit, but to be a great VC, which I think means a VC really is, I think more of a, at least the way that I'm redefining what a VC seems to be now that I've gone through this experience with COVID. Um, you know, I've, I've, my career has been started right after, you know, the Great Depression. So I've pretty much only been part of boom time and happy times and crazy, you know, Uber $60 billion IPOs and unicorns that we've never seen before. And now we're seeing some pretty harsh realities. Um, so I've, you know, I've got a lot more to learn, but now I've seen kind of both ends of the, the spectrum. And so seeing the full cycle of life, um, and just growing up more as a parent and all these things that have come together to give me that long-term thinking also helps me be a lot more disciplined. So there was, I believe, again, as being a 20, just turned 29, um, there was an element of having to not be disciplined because you essentially, you know, being disciplined, in my opinion, means knowing what you need to do with your time and only doing that. 
And even if things look shiny or, you know, you should be doing other things, being disciplined is having an investment thesis and only investing in that one deal, even though you look at 10,000 of them and that's the only one that fits, that's what you go for. That's the way that you churn through so many opportunities in life without wasting time. I would say that now that I have that long-term thinking, I now am more strict and disciplined with my time and really scrutinize even more who I'm going to be taking first meetings with and, um, you know, spending 10 times the amount of time, even though I spent hours and hours and hours for every deal I was looking at, now even spending even more time and really evaluating um, all the lessons that I've learned and, and things that I've seen and now not waste time on on things that, like I said, the back of my, you know, the voice in the back of your head knows probably is not going to work out. Not that you shouldn't do it. You have to kiss a lot of frogs, of course, to find, you know, the, the princess. But um it's just being more disciplined and knowing what I want more and sticking to that more and spending more time on the things that I need to be spending time on. Um, and just being more disciplined, you know, what a great piece of wisdom to come out of this quarantine with. I mean, if you know, your, your yes doesn't mean anything without the no. So if what it means is that you have this stream of opportunities and that you can quickly calibrate and see no, 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 no. Yes, it's worth looking at. And yes, it's worth investing time in. There's so many people who confuse activity with accomplishment. Right. That's exactly right. That's a good point. I mean, I heard it earlier this week or last week, actually. I was talking to another co-investor and they said, you know, while our job is just wiring money back to investors and it's writing checks, it's, you know, something that I, I never forget. Our job is to write investor more money than a check with more money than what they gave us um you forget interesting lessons i i feel like every the last time we talked this time we've talked it's just can it's not about we had the dis at least i had the discipline i knew which ones to focus on and not focus on but there's an element of activity yes but then but but not not just activity it's um i'm trying to figure out the right words but it's doing it because you felt you had to do it because you're young and you're learning how to do these things. And so now instead of spending a lot of time on a bunch of different things to learn the fundamentals, because you're spending time so that you can build yourself up better. Now you've started to learn things that you're, you're good at and, and that you figured out and you can spend more, more time on fewer things is I think the key to success. And I think it's, yeah, I'm, with yeah. I, I'm with you. I think of it like an aperture. Right. So to your very good point, I'm no career consultant, but as but sure, certainly early in our careers, our default position should be yes. Yeah. Right. We should say yes to everything because it's all learning. And at some part in our in our livelihoods, we get more and more time on task. We get 10,000 hours, 20,000 hours, 30,000 hours. Our aperture should close. It still means that people who are in businesses like you or like me are still going to explore new opportunities with our hand outstretched, willing to give value first, and at least being willing to see if it's something we can bring value to. But we have to be more quickly be able to say, no, it's not something I can bring value to. So I can't spend any time with that because not spending time with that means I even have more positive energy for those things that I really do bring a lot of value to. Perfectly summarized. Yep. That's how I. That's how I was trying to put it. But uh, someone who's been doing it for long enough can summarize it much better. So yes, exactly. 
Is there a talent that this quarantine taught you that you wish that you had? A talent that I wish that I had personally or professionally? Again, it's pretty weird. It's um, talent. I consider talent kind of hobbies, activities. They're all kind of kind of into all, all the same. It's just allowed me to be more of who I am and do the things that I really like and double down on what I'm good at already instead of look for new. Ta- so, you know, I was sitting uh, with my wife the other night and we were talking about, you know, I've been able to surf 10 times the amount I've been able to surf. I've been able to cook more than I've ever been able to cook. Um, I've been, and it's, it's funny that I've only had a few hobbies in my life that I really cared about because I really go deep into things. And um, the talents that I, I wish I had are all things related to the, um, are all related to things that I already do, but I haven't had the time to get better at. So for example, doing more intricate cooking that I usually don't have the time for, but if I can get an extra 30 minutes to cook instead of just make dinner for everybody, it's, you know, cook for an hour for fun and, you know, do something more intricate. Um, It's those sort of things. Um, So last question, is there a final piece of advice that you would give to entrepreneur owner managers about what you've learned during this quarantine? for owner managers right now. I don't think I'm, I've got great advice for owner managers right now. I think I, I'm going to just say, instead of, instead of advice, I'm going to provide insight, which is one of my partner uh, partners tells me to, to do, which I think is really the right thing for me to always be doing based on the 55 companies that we're invested in and talking to almost all of them to figure out, you know, what their, their new strategy is going to be. The biggest insight from that experience is that everybody is afraid and everybody is unknown, uh, has a fear of the unknown, and that it is okay to do things that you felt may be unconventional. Um, For example, in the VC world, there are a lot more bridge rounds than they're uh, being led by the same investor syndicate than there normally are. In non-COVID times, those are generally signals of weakness. Now it's the new normal. So, so realize that the norms have been broken. It's pretty much a dog eat dog survival world in business right now. You have to do what you have to do. Of course, ethically and all those things, that's a a no brainer, but in terms of status quo and, and um, what people, you know, generally deemed as the right thing to do, I think that's all gone out the door for right now. So you have to focus on what you think the right thing to do for your employees, for yourself, for your customers, for your businesses, even if a year ago that may have seemed not like the right thing to do. So Yeah, yeah and I think you had an insight earlier that I would tack on to that sentence, which would be in the long term. Yeah. Because that insight right. thinking in the long term. I mean, I, we almost can't think long enough right now, can we? I completely agree with that. Yeah. yeah. This uh, – I don't, yeah, I agree with you. It's not going to end. It's whatever. It's just going to get, uh, you're going to get used to the new normal and you have to set yourself up for capitalizing on whatever that looks like. You know, um, so thank you for doing this podcast interview.
I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. We believe that entrepreneur owner managers are the most powerful pro-social and pro-economic force on the planet. And it's for that reason that we dedicate our firm Bigelow to working exclusively with them. At Positive Enterprise Value, we freely share our learning so that you can absorb from the experiences of other private business owners with skin in the game, just like you. Bigelow is widely regarded as the M&A advisor that deals exclusively with high-performing entrepreneur owner managers. Our scrappy independent boutique firm only offers one service, that is to help build and someday capture enterprise value. You can find all of the episodes on this podcast on Bigelow's website, which is bigelowllc.com.